Hey listeners, welcome to the Intelligent Conversations, where we believe that everyone has a form of intelligence that resides within them. We invite guests from various backgrounds to share with you what makes them unique. Our hope is that you and I can learn and grow together. Without further ado, welcome to the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Intelligent Conversations podcast. Today I have the honor to speak with Stacy Wright. She is an entrepreneur and philanthropist. She has owned five businesses over the last 20 years and knows the power of sustainability that businesses use to solve problems. Stacy is also an avid volunteer in charities around her community. So Stacy, thank you for coming on today. I look forward to having this conversation with you. But I usually like to ask this icebreaker question just to kind of introduce you to the audience. But what motivated you to dive into entrepreneurship and philanthropy? The entrepreneurial part of it was very natural. It just was what I always felt. I always knew when I was young, I was 18, 19, 20. I knew I would own my own business someday. I just didn't know what it would be. And I remember being 20 years old, walking around. I lived in Sacramento at the time, and I'd be walking in downtown Sacramento, looking around at all the different businesses, thinking to myself, what kind of business do I want to own? What do I want to do? And I, I, so I knew on some level, that's just who I was. I was also a very mm-hmm. rebellious soul, so I didn't like being <laughs> told what to do. And I can manage my own life. Thank you very much. Um, so I, I, I think entrepreneurialism was just a part of, it was just in my DNA. It was just something I was going to have to do. Um, I remember being very frustrated when I was in my early 20s because I didn't know what it looked like. And I couldn't figure mm-hmm. out what it was going to be. Um, and I didn't have I didn't have the wherewithal to get an education. I just didn't like school. I didn't enjoy school. I didn't learn well in the school environment. And so I didn't have that track to take. So I was really kind of lost in my early adulthood years. And something inside me just said, just go get a job and you'll figure it out eventually. Just go get a job mm-hmm. and live your life and let it happen. And so I did. I went and got a job at a insurance agency and just did. I was a receptionist at the insurance agency. And within a couple of years, I had worked my way all the way up to and done just about every position in the insurance mm-hmm. agency. And I, was, I thought, well, I can I can open an insurance agency. I know how to do insurance now. And that's mm-hmm. what I ended up doing. So at 29, I opened my own insurance agency um, and had a good run with that. And then from there, uh, expanded into other businesses. The philanthropy part, that was the part that was unexpected for me. I didn't expect to get involved mm-hmm. with charity and philanthropy and all of that. That happened in in my 40s. And what was going on at that time, I, I had a business, a, a actual, it was like a $5 million business. Um, we had a lawsuit that cost us everything. And I ended up with a divorce, um, losing my business, just my whole life fell apart. And... When I realized that drinking wine and eating ice cream wasn't a sustainable, you know, coping mechanism for this mm-hmm. this terrible stuff I was going through, um, I started looking for other ways to cope and just to survive. And I found that volunteering my time, helping someone else, eased the pain. It, it gave me a moment in time where I didn't feel all the pain I was feeling. So I really just threw myself into volunteering, and I became a member of the Child and Family Guidance Center board, the, the the Homeless Shelter for Teenagers board. I just really threw myself into service and learned a lot about charity and, and the needs in the community. And as an entrepreneur, businesses solve problems. 
right? If mm-hmm. you have a problem, you can solve a problem. If you solve a problem, you can make money doing that. It's sustainable. So you're solving a problem with a whole lot of power and sustainability. And so as I'm looking at these problems that we're facing in our society and our social issues, we have mental illness that is just on the rise, addiction that yes. is on the rise. We're seeing mental illness in children as young as five years old, which we've never seen before. So I'm seeing the needs in the community rise and the people, the people are stressed. People are having a hard time. People are not adjusting, not, not thriving in the society that we've created. And then I'm watching the charities struggle because they're not for profit. So they're, they're doing the wonderful work that they're doing based on donations, which is unsustainable, right? So you've got this trying to solve a problem, but the problem's growing and they don't have the the power behind them with a, that you would get with a business. And in my thought process was, why don't we bring the power of business to solve these social problems that we're dealing with? So we can have some power and sustainability. We can put a man on the moon. We can build a device that we can put in our pocket that connects us with the entire world. We can solve problems. Right. So the exactly. addiction problems that we're having, the mental illness problems that we're, we can solve these problems there. It's not beyond us to solve these problems, but we do need some power and sustainability behind it so that we can actually start to solve the problems. So that's how I got involved with philanthropy. That's that's a cool story. Thank you for sharing. And uh, I, I kind of had to I, I want to touch on the entrepreneurship and then we'll get right back into the philanthropy side okay. of things, because I, I like what you had to share there. But uh on the entrepreneurship side, when you said, I, I just didn't really want to work for anyone and all that, I was like, amen to that because <laughs> I think the exact same way. I'm like, I just don't want to work for anyone. I don't want to do this. Like, I'm just going to do it my way because this, I can take care of myself, right? Like, mm-hmm. I just want to do it my way type of thing. Yeah. And that's, I think, one of the draws for a lot of people that pursue entrepreneurship mm-hmm. is because you have that freedom to kind of choose where you want to take your life. So I, that's something I think is one of the reasons why a lot of people choose entrepreneurship, but on the philanthropy side, I, I kind of had a question. I mean, you said addiction, mental illness. I mean, I'm no stranger to that, right? I've seen it happen. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't think I struggle with anything like that. It's I'm blessed type of Mm -hmm. thing, but uh, I've seen it in friends, like family even, and it happens a lot more than it used to. Why do you think we're kind of seeing this rise in addiction, mental illnesses, things like that now? Ooh, that's a big loaded question. I think that <laughs> <laughs> I think I want to back up just a little bit and talk about what you're talking about. Cause I think the younger generation is wired differently. So I think that there's a lot of the younger people, um, 18 to 20 in that generation, my daughter is one of those, who are very independent and they don't necessarily want to just go work for somebody for 40 years and and get a pension yes. and, and do that. They, they're wired differently. And I love that about the younger generation. And I think that's where we're headed as a society is more autonomy more independence, more people yes. individuating, being who they are authentically instead of the society that we've created where we all are supposed to be the same. And so I think we're moving that way. And I love the younger generation. So I think there's a lot more entrepreneurialism in the younger generation. And I love seeing that. I always said <laughs> I was 
I was a um, millennial born in the wrong generation <laughs> because I'm, I'm wired <laughs> a lot like the younger people, but I live in this, in the, in the generation that's not quite there, but we're getting there. We're getting there. But going back to the question about why do we see such an increase in mental illness and addiction? I, I heard a, a speaker and I can't remember his name, but he was, he was a scientist and he did an experiment on rats in addiction. And his theory mm -hmm. was, I don't think the drug is the actual problem. The drug doesn't cause addiction. Okay, so you have some people that can that can do cocaine on on a you know social basis and have fun and and not ever go down huh. a bad path. And then you have people like me that I did cocaine one time and I'm I'm like way down the bad path. Yeah. So, but it's not the actual. His theory is it's not the actual drug that causes the addiction. It is something else. And so he was doing these, these different researches. And what he found was that when he put a rat in a cage and he gave him two water bottles, one with cocaine, one without it, the rat would constantly go to the cocaine bottle until he overdosed and killed himself. That was just every rat did mm -hmm. that. But then he said, wait a minute, let me put a rat, let me build a rat heaven. So we have other rats mm. in there and we have all the things they love the cheese and they can you know have sex with each other like they're having a good time okay these yeah. these rats have connection with uh, with other rats and they're enjoying themselves well he has the same two bottles of water in the in the cage and mm -hmm. the rats didn't go for the cocaine so his theory was that it's not the drug that causes the addiction it's the society it's the environment that creates the susceptibility to addiction. And his theory, what he came to, to believe is that it's lack of connection. So you think back in the olden days, we didn't have all the technology mm -hmm. that we have. We had a lot more connection. We needed each other a whole lot more. So, and things were a mm -hmm. lot slower paced. So I remember my grandparents sat, they had porch swings. And they would sit out in the porch swings and the neighborhood would get together and they would drink Coke and sit on the porch swing and just visit. And they had that on a yeah. regular basis. So there was this love and, and connection that they shared that you don't find in the society we live in today. It's very rare to find any kind of neighborhood where, where neighbors are getting together and gathering. So I think that I think... I like what he said. I don't know if that is the answer, but I do know that for me personally, um, and, and being somebody that has been addicted, that has had this mm -hmm. issue in my life, that when I am connected, when I am able to be authentic in who I am and, and not living in this veil of shame that, that tends to come along yeah. with addiction, I don't know which comes first, <laughs> the shame or the addiction, but anyway, it all kind of lives together. When that's yeah. gone and I'm able to truly connect to others, I don't feel the need to overeat or overdrink or over, you know, do any of the things that the addiction's from. So I think it's a societal issue and I think it's the way that we interact with each other and we engage with each other. We have everybody's at a very high level of stress. I didn't know that. That's a great, uh, that's, that's an interesting study. And I, I do think uh, human connection is probably one of the more important things that we need because I think one of the reasons why, I mean, I, I consider like people that, I mean, there's some people, right. They turn to things like alcohol, right. Mm -hmm. And they can struggle with alcoholism. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons if you ask them, it's, oh, well, I'm just lonely. Like I don't have anyone to talk to. And this is just mm -hmm. something that numbs the pain type of thing. Yes. And I'm like the addiction itself, right. 
yes, the chemicals in it addicts, like you get addicted to it. Right. Mm-hmm. But the reason why they even went there in the first place was because they couldn't connect with anyone. They just wanted to numb that pain, that stress mm-hmm. that is on their mind. Right. That's the whole reason yeah. they went there in the first place is to numb yeah. that. And that numbing is a disconnect. You're disconnecting from yourself. Mm-hmm because of the pain or whatever's going on. So it's a disconnect, disconnected from others. Of course, if you're disconnected from yourself, it's natural to be disconnected from others. And of course, when we're disconnected, we need something to feel better. Exactly. And it's just an endless loop. And mm-hmm. I think at the same time, like that's where like things like counseling and like Alcohol's Anonymous, right? Mm-hmm. Those type of organizations, they help because if you, the, you look at it, the reason why they work is because you have multiple people coming together yes. and just talking about it. It's not even like they're saying, oh, here's your plan. It's just, hey, let's just talk about it. Mm-hmm. Like nothing too serious. Yes. And I think that's honestly one of the, <laughs> I think that just goes to show like how important connection is. In addition to what, what you're talking about in, in the society that we live in, we're not learning social skills. We're learning math and science and and English and all of those things, which are wonderful, but the social skills and the social interaction, we're not learning those things. So we grow up and then it's like, well, how do we connect, right? How do you actually connect? It's, it's even just the basics of eye contact and, and small talk and all of those things. We're not learning those things. So in addition to not having connection, we don't have the ability to connect. It's very difficult to do that. But I do want to add one thing that you said, being a part of like an Alcoholics Anonymous or counseling or or things of that nature, I want to add to that Mm -hmm. and say being of service to others, it, it solves a whole bunch of needs that people have. So sometimes it's hard to, Mm -hmm. to go to like Alcoholics Anonymous or, or to start therapy, but you can go be of service. Because there's no pressure in that. You're actually helping somebody. So you can find a charity or an organization and go and be of service and help somebody. And that that feeds you so much. And it allows you to meet other people and connect naturally. It's like a two-on-one type of thing. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I think I, I, I live in Utah, right? So religiously speaking, there's a lot of... Uh, religion with the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints here. Yes. And one of the, one of the things they tell us to do is serve, like just go out and just serve type of thing. And I couldn't agree more because I've found that when you serve others, your focus isn't on yourself. It's mm-hmm. not like these are the problems I'm having. How do I get past it? And I think sometimes we get so caught up in our own heads type of thing. Like I actually read something recently where it said, Oftentimes, the reason why we have problems is because we're addicted to thinking like we just need to take a step back and go and serve others and then realize, hey, like it's not so bad out there. Like we we can do. When I was losing my life, it was devastating. It was so hard and I could have easily turned to alcohol. I mean, I could have easily let alcohol soothe my pain, but Mm -hmm. I didn't want to go down that path. I had seen people go down that path. I had been down the addiction path myself. And I thought, well, I just don't want to do that. And I was too um, overwhelmed and overcome with stress to be able to connect with people. It was too overwhelming. 
And I was shy and introverted and all of those things. So I was really in a pickle. I was alone and disconnected and losing everything and and didn't know where to turn. So for me, volunteering saved my life. It actually allowed me to have connection and to serve others and get me out of my own stuff, which gave me a break from my stress and a break from the loneliness that I was feeling. So it, it saved my life. Yeah, I... Yes, serving is important. And you've been kind of touching on stress here. I think, again, (laughs) I'm no stranger to this. I think everyone, regardless of their background, experiences stress, right? Like it just, it happens. And I think though, when people start engaging in those behaviors you talked about, like, I think it's more when they start getting like hyper stressed, I guess is, Mm -hmm. I don't know if there's a better word for that, but Mm -hmm. it's just it just becomes so much that they just can't handle it anymore. Yes. So I kind of want to ask you this, what's the best strategy to kind of combat that? What's the best way we can do that? Oh, I love that question. I recently got exposed to a book called what's my number. And it's, um, Laurel Millen, I believe is her name. And she wrote this book and she's a brain scientist. So she's a uh, PhD psychologist into the brain. So she wrote this book and said, we have five different brain states. Have you heard of this? Mm -mm, I haven't. Okay. So there's five different brain states and it all corresponds to stress. So stress controls which brain state we're in. So when we're at one, one is we're happy, joyful, things are going really well. We have control of our thoughts and our emotions and our behaviors. When we're in a one, it's like you can control what you're doing, what you're saying, how you're thinking. All of that's in your control. Two is the same thing. Two is just a little bit of stress, but it's good stress. It's, you know, you're you're accomplishing something, you're fulfilling something, you're doing something. So that you still have your cognition online. Cognition is the prefrontal cortex that says the reasoning yeah. mind that makes sense of things. So then when you get down to three, you start getting into a little bit of turbulence um, with stress. So when stress comes and gets you to a level three, your cognition starts to shut down. So you still have your cognition somewhat, but it's iffy. It's spotty. It's kind of like your cell uh-huh. service is not real good with your cognition when you're in three. When you get to four, (laughs) your cognition goes offline. So when you get down to four, you're actually dealing with a part of your brain that doesn't have reasoning and logic. So you can imagine when you just get to stress level four, you don't, you don't have access to all the stuff you've learned in the book that told you how to live a good life, right? You're down here yeah. and you're, you're winging it. When you get to five, you're out of control. That's when you're, you blow your gasket, you're hurting people around you. You don't, you know, you don't understand why you just lost complete control. So our thoughts, behaviors, and emotions act differently with different, the different brain states. So understanding where your stress level is, is so helpful in, um, in doing life. And if I would have known this when I was 18, 20, my whole life would have been completely different. But this is the new brain science. This is new science that we've just had access to in the last decade, which is phenomenal. So realizing and recognizing where are you at, where's your brain state? And when you're at four, there's no reason for you to try to logic your way out of whatever you're thinking or feeling. There's no way to do that. You have to process through the emotion of where you're at. Once you process through the emotion of where you're at, you can bring yourself back to a state one. 
And when you get back to a state one, that's when you can redirect your behavior and your thoughts and your emotions to something a little bit more productive. Yeah, I. it's interesting, like hearing that, like listening to it, because I think, I mean, I don't think I've ever gotten to like level five or four, but I, I've definitely gotten to that point. And I, I kind of see like the progressions mm-hmm. throughout like life when that happens type of thing. So like one, right, is just maybe you're sitting there, right? And you're just watching me or hanging out with friends, right? Yeah. You're not doing anything maybe productive, mm-hmm. but it's just fun. Mm-hmm. You're having a good time yes. and it's just enjoyable. Yes. And then two is more of a time where it's like you're working towards something maybe bigger than yourself mm-hmm. and it's stressful. Don't get me wrong, but yes. it's enjoyable. Like the overarching, like what you're trying to achieve is just so enjoyable. And then three is maybe when you start need to like look at it and say, maybe I need to cut back on some of the hours I'm putting into mm. some of this, or maybe I'm uh, putting too much time into this and I need to focus a little bit more on this as well. Yeah, your b- behavior starts getting a little iffy. Like you start doing things you wouldn't normally do, like mm, procrastination, um, overeating, yes. <laughs> overdrinking, playing too many video games, scrolling social media. Like you're doing that a little bit more than you normally would. You can know you're starting to get down to three or four. And it's a gradual process too. Like it's kind of just kind of sneaks up on people, yes. I feel like. And yes. I want to ask you this. Why do you think that kind of just happens like the gradual process just instead of just this bam, like, I mean, I've had bad events happen to me, right? And mm-hmm. it's just like, man, this sucks type of thing. But then I'm back to like, I would say maybe normal. I guess mm-hmm. there's no such thing as that. But it's like something bad might happen to me and then. I get back to where I need to be type of thing. But mm-hmm. how do you kind of like recognize that you're in that process, like of going down that road and kind of make a decision to turn around before it's maybe you're too far down that path? That's, that's a great question. And, I, and I, what Laurel says in her book and what she talks about is we don't know how to process emotion and emotion lives in our body. So we don't know. So when we're talking about being disconnected from our body, being disconnected from who we are, our emotions is a big part of who we are. But we live in a society that tells us, don't cry. I'll give you something to cry about. You got nothing to cry about. Your problems aren't a problem, right? You There's people that have it way worse than you do. So we're told not to have these negative emotions. So we're always constantly being steered away from these negative emotions. But the reality is... Our emotion act our emotions act like a, a thermometer for us to tell us where we're at and how we're doing in life and how well our needs are getting met. And so negative emotion is not a negative thing. Negative emotion is telling us it's information for us. And if we're not listening to it, then we're ignoring it, we're pushing it down. We're depressing our emotions. When we depress our emotions, we become depressed. Okay, so our anxiety and the depression, we live in the society of people who are pushing down negative emotions because we haven't been taught how to process them. So when we learn how to process our emotions, that's how we move through them and we can come from a four or five back to a one. We are constantly in this, these different states every day in and out and we don't even know it. But our emotion is what gives us the clue of where we're at and what we need. Mm -hmm. And when we process through that, we figure out what we need. I'm feeling I'm I'm procrastinating on a very important project. Why am I procrastinating? Right. There's a need that's going on that I'm not having met or I have some type of thought going on 
underneath the surface subconsciously that's keeping me from engaging in this project that I want to engage in. So I have to now look at, okay, now I'm procrastinating. What am I feeling? What's going on? Well, I'm feeling nervous because this is a big presentation. And what if I get it wrong? I, you know, and then this perfectionism comes out, right? So then I uncover that there's this perfectionist living down deep under the subconscious that I wasn't even aware was there. She needs a voice, right? And I need to talk her through, Hey, it's okay. We don't have to be perfect. It is okay. That life is full of grace. Well, once I was able to talk through that whole cycle and process through that, the project got done without any more procrastination. Mm -hmm. But had I not stopped and paid attention to it, I would have just pushed my way through it and created something and then felt this tremendous stress because it wasn't perfect, but not even know why I was stressed. And then I would have ate a tub of ice cream. That's what I would do. Huh. I... I've never heard the analogy of like depressing negative emotion. I think huh, that like that, that really just got my mind thinking too. I think sometimes, I mean, don't get me wrong. Negative emotion sucks, right? Like we do not like it, but embracing it is maybe the best thing you could do, mm-hmm. even though, even though it sucks and you don't like it, embracing it will help you kind of get out of that state yes. of mind, like, and kind of help you progress. And that's something I believe too, is you, you have to have struggle in order to, mm-hmm. you know, become a better person. Right. Cause I mean that you, you mentioned like perfectionism and stuff. I think it's all in our DNA. We want to mm-hmm. like, there's a reason why we want to be per- like, we want to be better, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's just in us. We want to yeah. be better than we were yesterday yes. type of thing. But the reality is, is, we fall for it every time we all fall short. And mm-hmm. I think with struggle that kind of helps you, it, it serves as a motivator to try and help you progress towards mm-hmm. an idea of a better version of yourself type of thing. So yes. that, yeah, that was a cool statement. There was mm-hmm. that maybe we should just embrace like those negative emotions, even if we don't like it. Yeah. Because if we depress it, they're not going away. The negative emotions are not going away. They are stuck. Mm-hmm. If we don't process through them, they are stuck. Yeah. But if we process through them, it could be 30 seconds. It literally does not have to be that long. But if we just keep stuffing these over and over and over, well, you get to be 50, you'll start getting arthritis. You start getting diseases for your from your body from this just stuffed emotion stick, s- sitting in there. So it's important to process through them. And it's mm-hmm. not as scary as you think it is as... And it's not as difficult to do. So finding ways to process emotion is really, I think, a a key aspect. So I want to ask this. I think it's only natural. But how do we process emotion then? (laughs) Yeah, that's a great question. It's a great question. So that's a lot of, you know, going to counseling, going to therapists, talking to a friend having a friend who truly listens so that you can talk through, this is the emotion. Well, what's behind the emotion? What's going on? What are you afraid of? What are you fearful of? What are you stressed about? What, like asking the right questions. Laurel Millen, the the woman who wrote, what's my number? She has an app. Mm -hmm. It's called brain-based health, BBT or BBH. It's brain-based health. And this app actually walks you through the process of processing emotion. 
It's amazing. And I literally just found this in February this year because I was trying to help my mom process. She just lost my dad after 55 years of marriage. So she's going through a lot of depression and despair and and negative emotion and finding Mm -hmm. a way to help her process through that. I found this app. And so I started working with her using this app. And then I started feeling better because I was doing it with her. And I thought, there's something to this. And so now it is a daily practice that I go through the BBT app and I, it's, she calls it emotional brain training. So understanding your emotional brain, processing that emotion. So there's an app out there that is, that actually walks you through it, but there's many other ways that you can do that. So I, I think talking with a friend and again, requires connection, right? Having somebody that you can have an intimate conversation with, but if you don't have that there are other pro, there's other things out there, but I would definitely recommend the app, and you can find it at ebtconnect.net. And I, this is not my company; it's not any. I don't get any yeah. royalties from talking about it. It's just so <laughs> changed my life, and it's helped my mom. And I just want the whole world to know about it because I do think that processing emotion is a big reason why we live in the society we live in with with people under so much stress. Okay, yeah, that's. Thank you for sharing that. And I, I kind of want to check out that app myself and see what that's like. I think everyone can benefit from that. But mm-hmm. I want to drop the intelligent question of the day here. Okay. And that is, so we've been talking about, you know, overcoming some of these things, establishing, you know, that we need to serve other people mm-hmm. and that that helps bring joy type of thing. One of the things I think kind of, people struggle with to break out is, you know, kind of that fear, right? Like, I mean, sometimes people are like, oh man, like I just, I I can't go talk to that person. They're going to think I'm an idiot or something like that. Or I can't talk to them about this, like blah, 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 like all these excuses type thing. And ultimately it's just fear holding them back. Mm -hmm. So I want to ask you this, how do we overcome that fear so then we can actually process emotion? I think that is fear is the one thing that that really causes problems for all of us is fear and how do we overcome fear? And I think it's a I think there's a layer, there's dimensions and layers that go along with it. So I think at the very base for me, overcoming my fears uh, required me to love myself very deeply because the fear is what if I get rejected What if they don't like me? What if I mess up? What if I fail? Well, you're going to. People aren't going to like you. People are going Mm -hmm. to reject you. You are going to fail. If you're doing anything worthwhile, it's going to happen. So how do we, so my focus is more on building my resiliency inside and loving myself so deeply that when somebody rejects me, I can come home to me. And I know that I can love myself and get myself back to square one where I can go back out again. So having that kind of foundation, and if you can't love yourself, having someone else that can love you unconditionally, I think helps build our resiliency. Because I think that's really the key to overcoming the fear is to learn um, the resiliency. How do we re- how do we bounce back from what we're afraid of? Because it's going to happen. Likely, it's most likely going to happen. Now, some some fears aren't likely. Right. So some fears are unreasonable Mm -hmm. and that requires more of the deeper, like what's underneath here. I think understanding what's underneath it. So sometimes there's a circuit, there's something running in our subconscious that is causing the fear. Like I had this fear I was going to run out of money. Mm -hmm. Like I was always going to run out of money, even when I was making 
millions of dollars. There was never enough. I was yeah. ne- always going to run out. So I had this fear and I had to really dig down and, and look at that fear and say, why is that fear here? What does the evidence show? Is it true? No. In all of my years of life and in businesses, I've never run out of money. Even when I should have run out of money, I didn't run out of money. So why do I believe that that's going to happen? It's never happened to me. So I had to re-talk myself through that. So I think there's there's that level of fear that comes from a subconscious belief. So that requires a little more in-depth digging. There's this book I'm reading now is being bold and, and putting yourself out there. And there's exercises you can do to help overcome fear. So I think it's a multi-layered approach and understanding, you know, mm-hmm. I think foundationally loving yourself, I think is key because then you have the resilience for when failure does happen. Everyone that's listening right now, that was the intelligent answer of the day. That was great. And if it's okay, I'm, I'm going to add a little bit onto that. Yeah, yeah. I, one thing... I've noticed is that that there tends to be like this difference, I almost would say, between like fear and being scared. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that separates it is Mm -hmm. action, right? Like, yes, you can be completely scared of something, right? Like you're scared of losing money, right? Or you're scared of heights or you're scared of whatever. Like everyone's scared of a ton Mm -hmm. of things, right? We're we're scared of the uncertain future, right? Like there's just so much uncertainty. And I think it's okay to be scared, but if you let fear rule your life, then that's when you start to run into some of those problems we talked about, because then you're just holding yourself back and you're more concerned about what others think about you. And in reality, they're not thinking about you, right? And you, like you said, you need to have that self-love for yourself. And then also, if that's not working, go out and serve, right? Just go out and serve others. And that will help you kind of recognize, hey, it's okay to love myself. It's okay mm-hmm. to fail type yes. of thing. So Stacy, thank you for coming on to the, today. I've, I've enjoyed having you. This has been a great conversation with you today. But I know you've mentioned, like you've had businesses, you have, I don't know, I know, before, when you reached out to me, you have something you're working on as well. What's the best way like, people can learn more about it, reach out to you. What's the best way they can do that? Well, probably the best way is just to um, connect with me on Facebook. Uh, Stacy Neal Wright is my personal Facebook. I welcome anybody, any of your listeners are welcome to, to join me there. I, I, I have so many different things going on that that kind of is my outlet for all of it. So I have um, a business over here with new inventions where I help inventors, you know, bring their products to life. And then I have a business over here that is for female entrepreneurs. So I have helping female entrepreneurs build community and connection with other. It's a peer-to-peer mastermind uh, community for female entrepreneurs. So there's many different ways that you can connect with me. Um, But Stacey Neal Wright on Facebook is probably the best way. Okay, sweet. So if you guys are interested with connecting with Stacy, she dropped her Facebook there and you guys can connect with her. And I would challenge you guys to do that if you guys like this conversation and liked what Stacy had to say today. So Stacy, thank you for coming on today. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've just loved what you had yeah, to say today. Yeah, thanks for having me and thanks for doing this. I enjoy talking to your generation. I think if there's anything I can do to support you guys, you guys have a whole lot of problems to solve in the world that we live in. And I am here to <laughs> yes. support you and to help you and to do whatever I can to help your generation 
bring some power and sustainability to the changes that I know you're going to make. And you guys have um, an amazing heart and soul for looking at the world differently. And I love the way you guys look at the world differently. So if you're an entrepreneur and you're a young person, connect with me because I am all about helping you however I can. All right. Awesome. Thank you. So everyone, as you can tell, that's Stacy, right? She's a very intelligent person, had great things to say. She dropped her information there if you guys want to get a hold of her there. Stay tuned till next week. We have a great guest lined up for you guys. See you guys next week and let's get after it. Hey everyone, if you liked this episode and would like to hear more, be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button. We release a new episode every Wednesday for you guys to listen to. Thank you guys so much for the support that you give. We could not have done this without you guys. If you would like to be a potential guest on the show, check out intelligentconvos.com and fill out the form there. Thank you guys again, and let's get after it.